B2C marketing can be almost anything. An Instagram story, an expert interview, or even a short film. It can be anything, but it can't be boring. If you're boring, then you've already lost your audience. The very best brands create compelling and interesting content that people truly want to watch, read, or follow, no matter the platform you share it on. If you can capture people's attention, you've already won half the battle. I'm your host, Kara Hogan, and today we're exploring the more creative ways you can engage your audience, all without focusing too much on your own product. This is The Empowered Marketer. Today's episode is brought to you by Zayas, the CRM for B2C marketers. Zayas helps empower today's marketers to analyze, execute, and improve all of their campaigns in a single UI. Learn more at Zayas.com. You might think that marketing music software would be a little bit boring, but you'd be very wrong. Output is a company that creates software and gear for musicians, composers, producers, and sound designers, and their marketing is incredibly cool. That cool factor is driven by Joey Ng, the VP of marketing at Output. She has a background at fashion brands, including seven years at American Apparel as a marketing director and as the VP of marketing at a lingerie startup. She's brought that same creative mindset to Output. Instead of focusing on their product's features and specifications, which can get a little bit in the weeds, Joey focuses the brand's marketing on the artists, musicians, and producers who use the software to create amazing music. Output is a secret sauce behind every song you've probably heard today, whether it's going to the movies and seeing the movie Black Panther, or sitting at home on Netflix watching Stranger Things or Game of Thrones, as well as turning on the radio and hearing Drake, Rihanna, Kendrick, Coldplay, Diplo, what have you. And so we make software and also a studio desk for modern musicians. And for those who aren't super familiar with music production, gone are the days where you have to have a violinist come in and play strings for you. You can just get analog strings from output and it comes with over 500 crazy string sounds that are perhaps cooler than a live violin to help you make your songs. So tell me a little bit about your audience at output. How do you kind of find these music producers and musicians and engage them and convince them that your product's right for them? As a marketer, I'm very blessed to have such a niche market rather than a mass consumer good, you know, Anyone could potentially buy sunglasses, but not everyone's going to buy a piece of software or a studio desk from Output. Because of our product and how sophisticated it is, the quality it is, and even the price point that it is, the Output market is a professional music maker. And it's whether you're a composer or a producer, or you play in a band and you like to add rhythm effects to your live performances, generally people can afford our stuff because it's a want and not a need when they're making a living based on music as opposed to the you know sort of hobbyist. And so when you have such a defined audience, it's a lot easier to find them out in the world. Developing relationships in the music community is really important. And we really put that at the forefront of 
all that we do, not just in marketing. Uh, our company consists of all musicians, so we can really like speak the speak in terms of looking for people to market to. How do you, you know, market to them? What kind of campaigns are you running? And how do you try to drive that kind of long-term customer loyalty with such an influential audience? So before I get into some of the platforms, I want to say that we hate the hard sell. To us, I think in, in speaking to creative people, it isn't deal oriented, isn't necessarily a sale um, or that you're getting this for cheap, but building a real connection with them and also providing them with tools to help them make music. That is our slogan right on the homepage. We help you make music. And so that's the first thing that we consider based on any piece of content or any piece of marketing is like, does whatever we say help someone make music? Does it provide them with knowledge? Is it entertaining? Are we focusing, you know, an A-list producer or composer and getting behind the curtain with them and teaching our audience something new? And we'd really rather show them and teach them something than sort of like talk about a product in that specific way. Since it's 2018, I mean, we all scroll through our Facebook feeds and Instagram feeds. A lot of our content is video-based. Um, but before we can get someone to watch a video, we have to arrive into their feeds. And so a lot of that is a mix of paid social media, um, as well as email marketing campaigns, which we initiate through Zayus, our platform, to let people know, hey, perhaps you'd like to get in the studio with Omas Keith, you know, today and kind of watch that. That's a great opportunity to say, like, you could have the chance to see what this amazing musician is doing. Don't you want to know how they're using the software? That's a great idea. And we don't always include our software in our content. And so in that example, I mentioned it really is getting talked to a legendary producer about the records that he makes, and it doesn't mention our software. And sometimes we might be working with more emerging producers who are like, no. Um, for example, Scribs Riley, he was nominated for a Grammy for having produced a song on Khalid's album this past year, but the song was crafted with our software and he wanted to talk about it. And so there is a fine balance between like, let's do something because it's a good idea as opposed to let's only do it if it features us. Yeah. Honestly, I subscribe to completely the same method of marketing. You know, when you're creating this really like interesting content to get a little more technical, how do you get it out there? You know, you said you do paid social, you do email, but are there any other campaigns or other ways that you're communicating with uh, your audience? We also have organic social media. Um, we're active on Instagram and Twitter. I think not too many brands have outside of say fashion have really caught on to Instagram stories. So, you know, when we're doing organic or paid social media outreach through Instagram stories, we definitely get a very um, high engagement rate and people are sort of surprised that we're using that vehicle to tell them another story. I think a lot of it is interpersonal. Um, we definitely get into the studio with artists, take them to lunch. They hit us up through Twitter DMs to say like, hey, I love using your stuff. And then we continue the conversation through there. And people who really like using our things are advocates as well. And so they're not afraid to be in a studio saying like, hey, what sound was that? And they'll be like, that's that output stuff, you know? 
And we like to do things not even just for the music community, but uh, our team member here in marketing. We are offices right across from the Los Angeles State Historic Park. It's a three-acre park with a fire pit and cornfields and fruit trees and, and picnic benches and stuff. So once a month, we host a bonfire with a mix of s'mores and a DJ set by one of our staff members, perhaps a live jazz band, that sort of thing. So I think we definitely try to create communities online and off. That's amazing. Sounds like I want to get an invite to that party. <laughs> yeah, you should come on over to Loesco. I know. Well, next time in LA, I'll let you know. Um, yeah. So, you know, you're really trying to drive that kind of personal connection with your audience. So why do you think that personalization and that like personal feel is so important? I think because creativity is so personal for someone to work in the field of music and be successful enough to make a living from it, I think a lot of them would say it's because they've crafted their own sound. No one wants to sound like the next person um, in the track list. And our products really help people individualize specific sounds very quickly. And that sort of personal touch has to extend to the marketing. It has to extend in our communication and how we speak to people because Everyone wants to feel unique. And especially in the creative world, it's important to have a distinct voice. And so we try to do that as well. So when you launch something like a new product or a new piece of software, since you don't like to talk about your product as much, how do you approach it? How do you create a campaign and um, you know inform your audience that, hey, there's this new thing you might be interested in? So I think that it's all in the balance. Um, there are times where we are very product specific and usually surrounding a launch in the world of software or music software, we find that everybody wants that new, new. And so it's most interesting to someone when it's brand new and the curve might look like it goes up on launch day and then it's dramatically drops and kind of tapers off. And so during the launch period, we do have a thought out plan in terms of our editorial calendar of how we speak about the product in different ways. And it is about the product. Um, we do have introductory discounts for our loyal customers in that period. But then after that sort of big new product rush, we definitely switch back gears and intersperse it more with content. And so I would say like, it's probably an 80, 20 rule, 80% of the time we really are providing educational, entertaining music pieces and 20% of the time when we do have a big launch, it's like, all right, here's a new thing. Here's what it does. Here are some people who use it. Here are some helpful tips on how to use it better. Um, that sort of thing. Yeah. I think that's a great rule in terms of, in terms of content marketing. So 80% fun stuff, 20%. Okay. We'll talk a little bit about our products. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, people want to learn about it so that they can get the new sound. So we got to tell them that it exists, but after that period, it's more, let's do something a little bit more organic and have a live performance. Perhaps you'll hear the sounds, perhaps it won't be tagged, that sort of thing. Let's talk a little bit about failure. What was one time that you failed and what happened and what did you learn from it? I would say that my most epic failure was getting fired from American Apparel, having been there for seven years. And I'll admit it. And it's also written about in a lot of places. 
if you Google my name or log on to Refinery29 or some other places, you'll see that I was a part of a list of a lot of really great career-driven, ambitious women that I looked up to who were ousted from the company uh, shortly after the CEO was ousted. And at that time, I did feel like a failure because I had dedicated seven years of my life to this brand that I helped to build up and create. Um, I really felt like my life was centered around work. But to kind of get back up from, it's almost like losing a partner because you've been involved with it so long. I sort of looked at it at a way of like, you know what, I wouldn't have stayed because this company isn't what it was before. And I think I commented, and I was the marketing director, so they had put out an ad on on how they were empowering women and except the ad was purchased by me. The magazine was chosen by me. Both creative directors, the graphic designer and the photographer involved in the image that was used in the ad, all of us were let go. And so I, you know, instead of being angry about being let go, I was more vocal about you can't have marketing messages that are lies. You can't purport to empower women where in reality you've taken power away from the women who made this ad happen. And so once I realized that if I had stayed, I would be part of something like that, I was very happy to move on to a place that um, did empower women and, and not by firing them. Yes, that is some serious hypocrisy to still run an ad that was picked out by people that aren't even there. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah, yeah I, I really like that question because I feel like it, there's often in the business world this mentality of everyone's successful, everyone's perfect, no one's been through anything tough, and it's important for people to share the times that things didn't go perfectly and that it's an, a valuable part of part of your life. So Yeah, and yeah. sometimes things like that are blessings in disguise. You know, it is a rough hit to be told like, hey, we don't want you anymore. But to turn around and realize like, you know, maybe I wouldn't have had the courage to leave a situation that I wasn't fully comfortable with. And so I'm open about the only job I was let go from. Yes. Yeah. And if that hadn't happened, you might not be where you are now at this really cool role working with yeah, musicians all I the love time. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, on that, you know, kind of switch, let's talk about success. Okay. You know, what's a project that you've worked for at Output that you're really proud of that you think was amazing and, you know, you want to tell everyone about? Coming from more of a fashion background, after American Apparel, I was at a lingerie startup. The ratio really is all women and the occasional guy, and that guy might not be a heterosexual guy, especially in the fashion world. And in the music world, it's the exact opposite. When I came in, I was one of two women in an office full of like cool dudes with beards. And having been in the music industry outside of work a lot, you know, when you're in studios, when you're at labels, you know, that sort of thing happens. I think that women in music are definitely much lower uh, in terms of the percentage count of employees um, or even in artists. When you take a look at a festival lineup, it's like, oh, okay. It's like all of these white dudes who are DJs and like maybe, maybe a couple of women um, are featured in that big lineup. And so coming into this role, 
being around so much girl power for the majority of my career, I was like, I want to do something so that, you know, the face of music and our content is a lot more diverse. And so one of the first things we did was host a panel with nine female composers who were putting on a concert called The Future is Female. And I really loved that, you know, our company was open and embracing that sort of content and highlighting people who aren't necessarily always at the forefront of this industry. I'd love to hear what you think is coming next. You know, you've seen some patterns and shifts over the years. What do you think is going to be important for B2C businesses in the future? What should people be paying attention to? We talked about it a little bit, but I do think that personalization is key. We all like to believe that we're special and unique and we're not going to waste our money on generic things anymore. I think sustainability is a big question. Um, you know, having things that are custom to your lifestyle or your sort of expressive voice in the world. You want to be able to buy a shirt that looks like you. You want to be able to get toothpaste that follows along the lines of whatever you believe in, in terms of like health reasons, sustainability, that sort of thing. And so even with music, we talked about how important it is to sound like yourself and be unique. And so in marketing, I think every message, if we could ever get there, should be tailored to the person who's reading it um, through the lens of who you are as a brand. And so the more dynamic personalization we can do um, with our marketing tools, I think the better we'll be able to communicate with people at large. If you'd like to learn more about Output, you can visit their website, output.com. That's O-U-T-P-U-T. And thanks for listening, everyone. But first, I wanted to apologize for the slight delay with this week's episode. I know it was supposed to come out last week, and I feel really awful about it. I'm obsessed with being on time and on deadline, as a lot of marketers are, but some unforeseen issues came up with the last episode, and we just couldn't publish. I hope you'll forgive me and keep listening, because seriously, you guys are the best. I appreciate you more than I can say. And hopefully you understand that I'm only human, despite my superhuman abilities to talk. <laughs> so thanks again, all of you wonderful humans, and I'll see you again in two weeks. I promise. <laughs>